1: How are you man i'm
0: excellent yes very good
1: you are looking like brock lesnar again
0: i shaved her all off but it's a couple of days ago uh, oh did you yeah i don't i just don't let it go that long it is a different look i didn't realize that i, I looked in the mirror i like yeah it's, yeah
1: you kind of look like a marine you know like a yeah you know drill sergeant yeah what what's going on how's your what's up for your holiday?
0: uh my boys actually my oldest son and his wife went down to naples florida it's been like Three or four weeks with her family, and nice. they're planning on yeah they're planning on uh, uh, spending Christmas there. Uh, but they're very much like I am, where they they love to be at their home. Um, yeah. yeah, so they finally left. There it is Frank Simonetti, two hours and done. Good morning. What's happening, Mister Simonetti? How are you?
2: You know, every day feels like Christmas, and it just so happens Christmas is coming, <laughs> so it's a win-win.
0: You know, yours in a good mood too. I hope to be. Yeah. So there's Tom Smith. Hi, Tom. How are you, Frank? Nice to meet you. He's, yeah, on a, he's on a stool there because he's a little short. So, well,
1: hold on. Stool. He's a he's a Frank. How tall are you? Six one. Okay, so you you're over six feet. Anyone under six foot, Tom's a real bully towards. I don't know what <laughs> he's like a height bully. Uh, I'm five ten, not not five four.
0: Well, Who was I? Who what, what was I picking on about your weight too? We were on a show.
1: Grant Ledyard. No, uh, uh, uh... Dallas Drake was on. We were talking about Keith Kachuk. Yes, you are. Yeah. That's a that's a Boston guy. Is he? Are you guys from the same town?
2: Do you and Keith Kachuk? Is he from Melrose, Frank? Uh, I don't think he's from Melrose. No, no, he's from the South Shore. He's uh he's put, he's put on some tonnage. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad this is shot from the from the shoulders up here because uh, <clears throat> you're not. I you're, you're in shape. You're not bad. I well, I don't get up at three, <laughs> whatever, in the morning like you do.
0: I know it's a sickness now. That's because you're seen. Yes, <laughs> really I enjoy my sleep, thing. and I do it well. It is funny, because people say, that's the
2: middle of the night,
0: Tom. <laughs> well, the question is, what time do you go to bed? You know what? I don't need much sleep. I'll go to bed at 10 or 11. I, I My ritual now is just when I do anything going on. I'll sit outside of my back deck, even when it's cold. You get bundled up. Uh, I get a little heater out there. Have myself a little cocktail, and I'll fall asleep for, like, you know, I can't drink anymore, so I have one cocktail, and I fall asleep for a little while, and that's it.
1: No go to bed. All right. <laughs> He's nuts. So Frank. We're gonna- Frank, he's, he's nuts. Don't even try to explain it. He's nuts. Tom Smith, you're up. Let's roll.
0: This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw.
1: Morning, Tom. We got a great show today. We have on a guest who came out of Melrose Mass, lived the dream, played for the hometown Brewers, and is now the current director of alumni relations, Frank Simonetti.
2: Francois, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. Great to see you. And uh great to see you, Mr. Tom Smith. Nice to meet yeah. you.
0: We don't know if that's his real name or not, Tom Smith. I like, guess kind of one of those names, like Simonetti just like threw it in there.
2: Well, when you when you sent it over to me, it almost said, yeah, right. Tom's. Yeah, right. I know.
1: I know. <laughs> it's probably like in the witness protection program I would, or something like that. I have a past. I can't. Let's move on to the next step and talk about this. <laughs> uh,
0: Frank, uh, so Frank and I met each other. We played we played against each other, right? We were in the same time frame? We did. We did. I played yeah. in the uh, late 80s. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Frank and I met. We had a charity alumni game between the Rangers and the Bruins. What was that, like three or four years ago now? before the It pandemic. was 2019. It was the coming out yeah. party for the Warrior for Life Fund. That was- That's right, too. That was great. Uh, so we had a great, uh, the night before the game up in Boston, we had a nice dinner. A lot of Navy SEALs were up there. I was in my, I was in like dreamland because I'm big on the Navy SEALs. And uh, then we had a game, so we had a game the next night in Boston. And then we came back down to the Massacre Guard, played a game. That was one fun time. That's great. Day. I met each other. And then we got involved with the Warrior for Life Fund. I, I was on the board there for a little while. So you're, you're still actively involved in that, right?
2: Yeah. And we've uh, really elevated the program. But, you know, just to talk about that game a little bit, uh, Tom, and we call it the Face-Off for Heroes game. Right, it was kind of the uh, rebranding of the therapeutic hockey program that's happening down at Virginia Beach, that services the Naval Special Warfare community, more commonly known as uh, Navy SEALs. Okay, and we had a back-to-back game, Boston and and, uh, Madison Square Garden. But the the fun thing about that was we integrated uh, seven active-duty Navy SEALs across both teams. And, uh, you know, for the record, for the scorekeepers out there, the Ranger alumni took it to us in Boston here. I think it was six to three or something. By the way, we had seven Hall of Famers in the building, several on the ice, several behind the bench coaching. So it was kind of a big deal for all of us, for players, for the Seals that got to play. Then we all got on buses and went down to uh, New York City to play in uh, Madison Square Garden the following day uh, before the Bruins and the... And the Rangers faced off, and that was a much better game for the Bruins alumni. We took it to you guys in your own right, but yeah. even though it was a competitive game, there were smiles on everybody's yeah. faces, and That's to cool. see the joy that these military guys had when they stepped out on the ice in Bruin or Ranger uniforms yeah. was, uh, was priceless.
0: Yeah, I know. We told a story before, you and I were talking about it, where there's one guy I got to be friends with, I won't, I won't mention his name, but he's Navy SEAL, big kid, from Connecticut, and, uh, you know, so he's obviously been over in battle and everything. You know, and they tell stories about some of the stuff he's done, the bravery and everything, and we're lining up for the, uh, national anthem on the blue line. And he's standing beside me. He goes, Tom, I'm really nervous. <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> it makes sense, you know, cause he's not, he's out there at the end of the show guys, but think of all the stuff that he's done. Oh, no. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that was good. Uh, that was a fun weekend. The funny thing was too. Uh, so we were beating you guys pretty good in Boston, Ray Bork's playing. And he, now you can see the competitive juices get going a little bit in Ray and, uh, he wants to score and Darius Casparitis and I are playing defense together. So we figure, okay, we'll let him go through uh, and then he can go in a score. Well, Steve Malaiket's playing that, and he's he thought it was like a Stanley Cup finals, and he he stoned Ray Bork and wouldn't let him score from going to a safe valley. And he was just out of his mind. He he you know, he said, I'm sorry, geez, I just got carried away all.
2: Yeah, he he played a great game that day, but I think he pulled both groins <laughs> so the next game day he was like a pylon in that, which helped our
0: yeah uh, helped
2: our cause tremendously. <laughs>
0: It's funny, we talked about Kenny Elizabeth too, so I really just met Kenny as a person-to-person at uh, that weekend. Obviously, we played against so I each mean, other Everybody hated Kenny when you're playing against him, but you, like you were saying, he's a fantastic teammate. Totally. Um, but in the uh, second game, the one in Massacre Garden, he hurt his knee, and uh, we're all laughing like couldn't happen to a better guy. So <laughs> t- totally unfair to him because he is a great guy.
2: Great guy. Fortunately, it wasn't a career ending. He's back on the ice, yeah.
0: Yeah, was, the guy's the best for die laugh. Does he still
2: get hated? No, not in our alumni games, but uh, we're 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 playing the Philadelphia Flyer alumni on January twenty sixth at the Wells Fargo Center. Oh, now he played for Philly and he played for Boston, so yeah. he's with us. It'll be interesting to see if there's any reaction when he gets on the ice. Though.
0: Uh, that's funny. Those alumni games are a good time, right? Like even if you haven't, like you and I, we never played with each other, but it's like we knew each other all our lives. Right? Everybody gets together. So,
2: well, that's a wonderful thing about the hockey community is once you're in the locker room you've you've all had shared experiences yeah and you, you know you know each other it's like six degrees of kevin Bacon that game where you know you played with this guy oh i play with that guy over here there and you start talking telling stories and all of a sudden an hour or two have gone by and you're you know you, you walk out of their best friends yeah
0: totally and uh, dave silk plays with you guys too right he participates.
2: silky does i saw him on saturday night at the bruins game i'm uh he doesn't play with us much but uh, he he committed to coming out again and then skating because he's such a great guy one yeah and the fans absolutely love him for you know the 1980 gold medal but just just being an awesome all-around guy and a local guy
0: yeah we uh we lived together and we had one on the show and we started telling some of the old stories some of the stupid things we did and we were just dying laughing and, and like it's one of those things you look at did we really do something like that did we did that and so yeah we did it
2: well i i think i think silky stopped doing some of those things so it's all good there
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was funny like part of his you know he's got through therapy and everything he's talked about but part of his thing was he had to call up people from his past and kind of apologize for some of the things he did and he started saying the stuff he didn't i said silky i'm sorry but i don't even remember that stuff (laughs) so so
2: maybe you need therapy tom yeah well, there's no
0: question there there's no question tom knows that oh he definitely does he definitely does well, it's funny, with Tom here, uh, as the producer, uh, he's been a big hockey fan, but really never been around uh, NHL players a lot. And we've done, what, close to 80 shows now we've done? Is, yeah, we've done 80 shows. So, exactly. Yeah. And yep. we, uh, so we'll step back sometime, sometimes, especially early when we started doing the shows. He goes, you guys are a mess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <all those stories. laughs> Now, so did you? where did you go to school The college?
2: I went to uh, Norwich University. So from Storm High School, no prep schools. Uh, recruited up to Norwich University, which is a private military school in Northfield, Vermont. Uh-huh. So it's about an hour south of Burlington. Small school. Our class was uh, graduating class was just under three hundred. That's the kind of size this was. Division two, and then I went to Division three. So we didn't play the BU's BCs, or we just played smaller colleges like Plattsburgh State and Colby and and the like. So. Uh, a lot of things had to break my way to to get noticed and uh, get an invite to Bruins camp.
0: All right. Did you got You were not drafted?
2: Undrafted. I, when I look back now, uh, the Bruins had a, a history of inviting a couple of local players to, to camp for a little local flavor, get a few ads in there, you know, articles in the paper. So I forget the other guy that was brought in, but it was myself and uh, another player. And, you know, you, you, you skate the first couple of days of camp and then you get invited to the rookie game. You know, you get to go play the Hartford Whalers down there and they did pretty well. And then uh, come back to Boston and, and play a couple more practices. And then the Bruins are going on their first preseason road trip to Rochester and Lake Placid to play the Sabres back to back. And uh, you know, Jerry Cheevers was the coach. He's kind of old school. So he pinned the roster up on the bulletin board and I just walked around right past everybody's hovering around it. Somebody grabs me by the shoulder and says, "Simonetti, you're going on the trip." Oh. So as a free agent walk-on, Division Three guy, kind of, kind of blew me away. And immediately I said, "Oh, bleep!" And I walked into Jerry Cheever's office. Said, hey, hey, coach. He goes, "Hi, hey, Frank." Uh, you happy guy that he is. I said, yeah. "He goes, what's going on?" I said, "Well, I have a problem." He goes, "Well, what's your problem, Frank?" I said, "My sister's getting married tomorrow." And uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm going on the trip. He goes, Well, what time's the wedding? Ah, what, 10 o'clock, whatever it was. He goes, Uh, do you think you can make the airport by one o'clock? I said, Oh, yeah. He goes, Well, we'll hold the plane for you. All oh, right. Well, so sorry. apparently, I went to my sister's wedding. No recollections, zero, none. Uh, they're still married, so I know, I know it was real. <laughs> well, so I'm the last, I'm not late, but I'm the last guy on the plane, right? And uh, you know, the veterans they don't care, yeah. the younger guys are going who the hell is this guy, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, they got some good-natured jabs and whatnot. But anyway, went on. Those two games did very well. Played in the nine of the 11 uh, preseason games that year, which was kind of unheard of yeah. for, uh, for an American rookie free agent. And uh, you, you'll like this piece, Tom. The last game of the preseason was in Providence, Rhode Island. We're playing the... Four-time defending Stanley Cup champion New York Islanders. I saw my sign my contract on the bus on the way down. Wow! Score the winning goal in overtime. Wow! And like this is easy. i to myself, "Wow, this is this just all came naturally." And all along the way, I'm asked, "They're sending guys to the minors, they're releasing guys, sending them back to juniors." I don't know anything from a training camp. Never been to one. Never talked to anyone who's been to one. And all this stuff is happening. And i'm just keeping my head down i finally asked the trainer i said well, well where do i go he goes well you made the team <laughs> and he was like whoosh, right yeah. so okay we practiced a couple times at the garden which is a which is a real hoot for me yeah and uh, the team played a uh, each year they played a golf tournament down on the south shore so i'm out there i'm the celebrity in the group and this this golf cart comes driving out to my hole this girl is are you Frank Simonetti? I said, Yes. Said, Mr. Sinden would like you to call him. I thought, oh, this can't be good, right? Yeah. So I, I go out and I find a payphone, which I have to describe to kids what that is. Now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I call up and they said, you know, Frank, you had a really good training camp, but we've had a little change of heart. We're going to send you down to uh, to Hershey for some seasoning. I'm going, oh yeah. you know, you're so high, then you're so low sure. things later. Yeah. It was it was funny because it was a Philadelphia Flyer owned team, yeah. the Hershey Bears, and the Bruins rented like seven spots. Right, and we didn't get to play much. I mean, there were gangs that uh, the coach would say, "Oh, sorry guys, forgot you, you right. were down at the end of the bench." There, I'm going, "Wow, is this hockey life?" Right. Yeah. Uh, um, but fortunately, I was called up just before training camp. They had a they had to trade some guys on one way contracts uh, to make some room, and then somebody got hurt, so I came up played the Montreal Canadiens two two nights before Christmas. In fact, it would be 30, 39 years ago this weekend, um, and had six shifts, and they were awesome. I remember them <laughs> vividly. I remember chasing down and catching Guy Lafleur. Now, he was on the tail end of his career, but yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't tell too many people that. Uh, <laughs> and, and 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 Tom Johnson comes up to me after the game, and he goes, he's a cigar. And, yeah. Hey, kid, how'd you think he did? I said, T.J., I thought I did pretty well. He said, me too. <laughs> well, now we go home for Christmas, which I live there anyway. Come back afterwards, and I'm in the same position I was at the end of training camp. Where do I go and what do I do? Right. Training goes, grab a dozen sticks. You're going on the road trip to the West Coast. Wow. We spent you know, 14 days out there, and and then I stayed up the rest of the season. And uh, yeah. that's, That was my introduction to the NHL.
0: And it's funny, too, like, and I went through the same thing. The, G- the coaches and GM hardly ever talked to you, right? Like, you had to find out from the trainer. That's just right. the way it was back then, yeah. Right. And, yeah.
2: and now there's 12 coaches. Yeah. You know, every position, every this and that. You probably can't walk five feet without talking yeah. to a coach now. No
0: kidding, yeah. GM, yeah. Yeah, they have big meetings all the time and everything, Talked about your feelings, and it's like... <laughs> they didn't worry about our feelings too much back then. Yeah. Uh, especially that. So um, so Jerry Sheevers was the head coach at that
2: time. Cheesy was the head coach. Uh, so... I, I thank him all the time when I see him for uh bringing me into the league. Sure. And I thank Harry too cuz uh, it wouldn't have happened without him obviously. But in February late February that year, uh we were bouncing around 500 and uh, Cheesy was relieved of his duties while we we're on a another West Coast swing in in Los Angeles and uh and who took over? Harry Sinden. So okay. we we had had a few days off out there. Tom was, yeah. you know, so guys were enjoying themselves, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we 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 got to the practice the the day Cheesy got fired, and guys were were still feeling pretty good. If you know what I'm trying to say, yeah. 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 Uh, the the practice was sloppy, uh, and uh, after ten minutes, Cheesy said, "Okay, guys, that's it. Come home. I mean, go you know, go back to the hotel. Come back tomorrow, ready to." Ready to go. Right. So, you know, this is like day four now. Guys are in a roll. Some of us heard about 6 o'clock at night that uh, Cheesy was no longer the coach. Some didn't. Some came to the practice the next day in the same condition they were the day before. But (laughs) the difference being now the GM is your coach. It was the most crisp 45-minute practice I've ever been part of. It. it was like bang, 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 boom, boom. Harry said, "Perfect, great." We went out uh, two nights later and, and 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 beat the beat the king. So huh. you know, loved loved uh, cheesy as a coach. Yeah. Cheesy was you know, I love him as a person, but he was kind of a player's coach. Yeah. Harry was a uh, detailed coach. He knew how to work egos, talk to guys, build them up, knock and down. He he actually. He actually really worked with the players for that rest of the season to, to elevate the team and elevate uh, each player a little bit. So he was he was a joy to, to be coached by. Oh, that's interesting. I, I always thought
0: like he was really old school. He just like I show up, blow the whistle, and that's it. So
2: that's cool. Not at all. Not at all. He was you know I remember being on the bench and he'd come over and say, "Look, in this situation, this is during a game, you want to think about doing this. You want to think about doing that." Da, 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 da. And he wasn't a yeller or screamer on the bench. Oh. Okay. Uh, that I recall.
0: Right.
2: So, what was your first year? was, what eighty four then? It was eighty
0: four. You know, it was like Terry Riley and those guys still playing?
2: Terry was there. Uh, Ray Bork, Rick Middleton, uh, Barry Peterson, uh, Pete Peters, and Nett. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned these guys, and and they just had one of the Bruins centennial era nights right. uh, Saturday, and I hadn't seen Pete Peters since he was traded in eighty five. Right. And he was there, and Charlie Simmer was there. The, oh, who came in in '85, uh, and it was it was a wonderful reunion, if you will. I haven't seen some of these guys in almost forty years. How about Steve Casper? Is that, Stevie? Uh, Stevie coaches in Europe. I forget, or so oh. Eastern Bloc country. He's he's coached in in Russia, and he's coaching, I think, in Estonia now right. in the professional league. So he goes over there for six, seven months a year and coaches. We'll see him at the golf tournament that we do in the summer, and if he's around, we see him at the bowling tournament that, that I run in September. But uh, I love Stevie. Stevie was on the team as well in '84. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, great guy. I played with him in L.A., but we call him the grossest man has ever played in the NHL. <laughs> he's got that like that look to
1: him or whatever. He just do walk around like in a bad mood every day.
2: He was a very intense and serious yes. young man. Yes.
1: <laughs> how about our our friend Tom? Uh, how, how about our friend Nifty, or as we know him, Silky? Was uh, Rick Middleton at that that event?
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Nifty was there. Uh, Nifty, you know, he, he ran the Bruins alumni for 15 years before I took over. We played together. Uh, consummate gentlemen on and off the ice uh, took young players under, under his wing. I remember one time I got down late to the lobby when guys were going off to different dinners and, and uh, I'm a rookie and there's this Rick Middleton, you know, in the league, had been in the league for 14 years or so at the time. And I said, nifty do do you mind if i join you for dinner absolutely you know so it was me and some of the other veterans that went out and it was really nice to to hear their stories and their perspectives and and you know learn a little bit about how to handle situations yeah. and treat treat people that was the biggest thing i learned from you know the terry o'reilly's and the rick middleton's uh, and ray Boats. they they treat people well yeah. wherever they go
0: yeah really is true that is a great thing about hockey players <clears throat> that reputation that they could be just Animals on the ice, but when they're off the ice, they treat people really good, right? That's generally the way it is. Did you know Rick His other uh, nickname was uh, Silky. I did not know his nickname was Silky. Was that from his New York days? Yes, New York days. In fact, Tom, if I don't say this correctly, we, uh, so he sure. started to tell the story, and he said, "I can't, I can't tell the story." And I think Tom jumped on, said, "No, no, come on, you got to tell us the story." What do we went to a strip joint, and I uh, was talking to one of the strippers, and really getting along pretty well. And, and her then, name was Silky. Her name was
1: her, her name was Silky. Silky.
0: And so then he found out that it was a male, actually, was it a transvestite or?
1: A... It was a, it was a, yeah, it was a trans, it was a man. Oh, boy. It was yeah. a male stripper dressed as a woman who was named Silky and had hair like Rick Middleton at the time, long blonde hair. Yeah. And that was, yeah. his nickname, that was his nickname in New York. Oh, that's funny.
0: That was, that was good by Tom because he, he was going to stop telling the story. And then Tom jumped on him and said, no, no, you got to tell us, you got to tell us. And he said,
2: okay, oh, I, I can't wait to see Rick. Yeah. Yeah. this is.
1: <laughs> That's been, Yeah. Ask about Please do. He was pretty funny. He telling a story. Yeah.
2: Rick 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 can tell stories with the best of them. Yeah. I always encourage him. I said, Rick, you, you need to write a book. Yeah. He says, I, I can't write the book the way it needs to be written because I'll I'll burn way too many bridges but, and friendships. Uh, is, yeah. He said, Okay, well I get you there because uh, he enjoyed yeah he enjoyed his early days as a, yeah. a hockey player. Yeah.
0: God, he was a good player, too. I uh, Always when I played against him, he was like uh, like Joey Mullen, was the same way, where the puck would be bounced all over the place, and they go in and some, some will score, and I'd go, God, he's lucky. But then he does it all the time. It's always the same way.
2: So Joe, speaking of Joe Mullen, he's uh, he's a fixture now on our alumni team. Yeah. He's 66 years old. He came on board about three years ago, and he just loves to play. Right. And he, he skates about four or five times a week now with his men's leagues and his friends and... It doesn't matter where we go. He, he lives on the Cape. If we're playing up in Maine, he says, yeah, I'll be there. Right. And uh, he, he, at at his age, he he's doing the exact same things, Tom. He's okay. always in the right spot. Yeah. He's always making the right play. He's always right, making the right pass or setting up somebody. And people say, oh, that's great puck luck. No, it's just being yeah. hockey totally. savant.
0: Yeah. Um, no we yeah. played against him one time. I think he was with Calgary at the time. I think that was it. And uh, so he was at the front of the net, so I'm figuring, okay, I'm going to scare this little guy. You know, I'm cross-checking him in the back and hacking him and everything. So then he leaves, and I, then I kind of go, okay, I got rid of him. You know, I, I, I him, you him. Know? And what he did was, he go to the top of the slot, and whoever had the puck in the corner knew what was happening exactly. He got got the puck, he shot one time, and scored. And he kind of smiles at me. <laughs> he was smart. Charlie Simmer, they mentioned like that. He was the same way too. A much bigger guy. But, but he'd be, he, yeah, he'd come to the front of that and then he goes, Tom, how are you doing today? And, he, and you're trying to cross check when he's talking to you like he's your best friend and then he scores a goal.
2: Not the fast, neither one of yeah. the fastest guys out there, but they were always, they always arrived at the right time.
0: Yeah. Did Charlie Simmer get married to a uh, Playboy
2: model or something? Like, Terry Wells. Uh, she was the, so, so I'm told. <clears throat> Again, Norwich University only you know, had so many things you could look at up there. The internet wasn't yeah. and So Playboy was, was, uh, was much coveted. Yeah. Terry Terry Wells was the uh, playmate of the decade for the Hades Yes. Uh and he, he married Terry and, and and Charlie married when they were out in LA. And right. when he moved to Boston, Terry came with. And they we were neighbors. We lived in the same town. So we would drive in and out of practices and games together. So we, we were we were close as families and she was a right. very nice person. Uh like like many Hockey marriages, you know, once hockey ends, maybe you can speak to that Tom Tooth. Oh yeah, I'm something like that. <laughs> like, uh, oh yeah, the thing we, we, the couples go separate ways. So, yeah, oh, uh, yeah,
0: we should not. A hockey players should never get married. There should be a rule in the National Hockey League that hockey players can't get married.
2: Well, I think athletes in general maybe yeah. uh, shouldn't, but you know what, we're human too. Yeah. Now, how about you? you One marriage? Sure, you've. I'm on two now. Let's oh, okay. see. I'm that. guilty as well. Yeah, but uh, sometimes it, you don't get it right the first time. I got it right the second
1: time. Good job. Nice. It's hope, Tom. There's hope, Tom.
0: What? No, don't be again. I've, I've had two. That's it. That's enough. It is funny, though, when you're talking to hockey players, right? It's just a given that the guys are divorced. We had the, we had Larry Melnick on a show, and he stayed married. And then another crouchy guy there, too, but he's he's been married. Like, how does he stay married and everybody else is getting divorced all the time?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the comment of the time was that you know, some of the wives are used to not you not being around. Yeah. Now, when you're around all the time, it's like, whoa, who are you? Right? I don't know who you are. So That's it after me, my first one. It,
0: like, I thought when I was playing, we had a fantastic marriage. All of a sudden, I got done playing. We couldn't sit in the same room together. It was just, right. <laughs> it wasn't her fault. I am not blaming her. It was just that's the way it was. Uh, all right. So, the the alumni, you had told me some interesting stuff. So, you run the alumni for the Bruins there, and you say that they, so people will put on, want to put on charity games. And you've got like a 10-page pamphlet so to speak to to give to them how to how to do things
2: yeah it's 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 a game production guide if you will so uh pre-covid we we're doing about 25 or so games a year oh wow like covid hit everything went away we played in empty buildings with masks on just to keep some continuity going with our uh recurring charity partners but we've come out of covid <coughs> covid with uh a new game plan, working with Rick for a couple of years now with myself and and giving them a how-to guide as to how best to put on a game, how to fundraise, how to do raffles, auctions, um, how to fill out your roster, how to put some accountability to your players so they just don't show up and play. They show up and they have to raise a certain amount of money to play in the game so they have some skin in the game, if you will, uh, to help, I mean, the the goal here is not to beat the alumni. The goal is to raise money for your cause, and you know, there's there's always been a couple of teams who, they they, last year we had a team that brought in all a bunch of former pros, you know, some some NHL guys, but all AHL guys, and nobody raised any money, and it was a hammer and tom game. I mean, we we hung on by the skin of our teeth, and it was. It would have been fun five or 10 years ago to play at that level. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like, you know, we all got to go to work the next day. I mean, it's that same uh, adage that, you know, we're here to help not not kill ourselves. Uh, but for the most part, teams are on board. We have uh, the Massachusetts Down Syndrome Congress, who have played 19 years wow. now. We are their biggest fundraising component, helping them raise over $2 million. Wow. Good job. Nineteen years. Another group, Why Me? Sherry's House that does cancer care for pediatric you know, for children with cancer and their families, helping them you know get situated in the Worcester area. Fourteen years. We have other groups that have played nine, ten. So we have a lot of recurring partners. But this year, Tom, we have thirty games in the books. Wow. Uh, which hit all six New England states. Plus, we're going into Jersey. We also went to uh, Detroit, to, to yeah. Frasier, Michigan to play the Red Wings alumni in September. So our brand is growing. And we're, more importantly, this year we'll probably help charities raise collectively over a million dollars. Very good. So, and, and it's a feel-good thing for us. I grew up here. It's great to give back to the community. So many guys who played in Boston, uh, whether they are from here or not, mostly not, retire here because... The hockey community is so strong. The Bruins take very good care of us. Uh, they provide us a suite in the garden. Uh, they help us with some cross-marketing with the Bruins Foundation and Bob Sweeney. We do a lot of events together. Uh, so it's a great place to transition from your playing days to your retired days. And if you if you correlate that with the military, Tom, the, the hardest part of, 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 of getting out is not knowing what to do, right? Yeah. So a lot of a lot of pro hockey players suffer when they retire. Military suffer. So the Bruins alumni and Rangers alumni, Canadians alumni, Leafs alumni, very good programs help these guys when they retire to move right into the familiar environment where they can go out and spend time together, spend time in the locker room, maybe have a a cold refreshing beverage after the game, <laughs> and but more importantly, help the community. So.
0: That's good. That 30 games, that's good. So and you're uh, so our alumni with the Rangers here is actually run by the Rangers. Right? Yours is different. You you're, you're you get help from the Bruins, but basically you, you the players in particularly yourself run the alumni,
2: right? Yeah, we're an independent 501c3. And I think if you look across the league, 80% of the alumni teams are independent right. uh which it, it all have some working relationship with the parent club. We have to because we're wearing the spoke B uh that's licensed by the Bruins, licensed by the NHL. So we couldn't wear it if we didn't have their uh, support. Um, and that that's the same for all the teams. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, we're independent. We can do our own uh, fundraising, uh, our own sponsorships. The only coordination we do is to make sure we don't bring on a sponsor that competes with somebody the Bruins have signed on. You know, there's a number of beer companies Bruins have certain beer companies. We have to partner with them rather than bringing somebody new. That's kind of the uh, the easy easy example there. But you know, when I come across somebody that wants to support us, I go right to Cam Neely, who's been very very good. Uh, Cam we're thinking about doing this with this company. No problem, Frank. Go for it. Or gee, no, that one might be a a conflict with with some people we have uh, under under contract right now. So. Very good working relationship with Cam uh, Neely, president of the Bruins. Uh, Great relationship with Bob Sweeney, the uh, president of the Bruins Foundation. With Kerry Collins, the director of community relations for uh, the Boston Bruins. So we we have helped them maintain a great presence in the community, uh, whether they're doing well, which they have been for the last 10 years, or maybe if they're having some down years were out there uh, doing goodwill in the community, representing the Bruins.
0: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bike Clear Aliners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to
1: hire? You need Indeed. Tom, we also talking about Frank. Frank's also, uh, he was humble before, but he's also was an outstanding soccer player and a javelin thrower, which is pretty fascinating.
0: <laughs> you really? Like,
1: you went? How do you, how, do you, how do you throw a javelin? How do you get it to say one day and say, oh, you know what? I'm going to throw this spear. Like, where does that come from?
2: Well, you're looking for something to do in the spring. You've had a soccer season in high school. You've had a hockey season. And the prospect of running the 400 or the 800 or the mile run was not something I wanted to do. So the, the, the field sports, the uh, discus and the javelin were fun because you'd kind of go screw around in the different fields, throw the javelin, the discus uh, and other things. And I got fairly good at it, and it's it's really about technique. You know, the strongest guys aren't necessarily the ones who throw it the farthest. But I I did, you know, I I, I went to the library, you know, and actually researched wow proper way to throw. Because again, no internet back then, and I learned a few things that helped me uh, deliver uh, a better throw. And uh, so, and it was it was fun because you know some of the some of the meets came down to you know, if you come in first or second, we win the meet. If you don't, well, we right. lose. So right. uh, the whole the whole team's around us watching, and it was kind of a neat little pressure cooker.
0: Probably the first person I've ever met that threw the javelin. Wow, oh, that's excellent.
2: Yeah. It, it, side story. Uh, they always taught us, you know, when what if it's wet out there, approach the javelin from the side because if you fall, you'll impale yourself. Okay, okay. So one of our competing oh. teams, Burlington, Mass., their best player, was jogging up and he slipped and went right through his abdomen out his back through his kidney and wow. uh he was impaled on his death. so wow. he lived to tell the story but uh wow. you know, kids don't try this at home is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. i have always wondered about that. Like somebody gets stabbed with the spear. Wow so the the prophet the, the Olympians, they throw that thing further than a football field. Yeah. Three hundred and something wow feet. It's it's crazy.
0: Wow, it's funny. All right, so Warrior for Life Fund, that's a great cause. So it's run by some retired Navy SEALs, correct?
2: Yeah, so uh, Captain Ryan Crowley, 26-year-plus uh, Navy SEAL, uh, about 12 years ago when he was a lieutenant commander and Active, uh, was stationed up in Newport, Rhode Island at the War College. Now, he had been a fan of hockey growing up, lived in Toledo, Ohio, big fan of the Detroit Red Wings, never skated before. He's up in Newport, has a lot of downtime. They just built a brand new rink at URI. uh, And he says, I'm going to teach myself how to play hockey. So he went out, bought equipment, joined the G League, moved up to the D League and all the way. And over the course of a year or two, became a very good hockey player. But it was in that time in Newport uh, that he realized that getting on the ice, skating, that one hour took him away from a lot of the demons he was facing right. from having been deployed at the time it was probably 10 times and in multiple battles and, you know, all the things that go along with it, the TBI issues that he was suffering from getting on the ice helped him clear his head. That's the most easy way to put it. So when he was restationed down at Virginia beach, he came charging in with this great idea. He was going to start skating in a little podunk hockey rink. I, I, I shouldn't say that. Small hockey rink, uh, Iceland's Family Skating Center, which was a converted grocery store. Small, yeah. intimate. You've been there, Tom. Yeah. We'll we'll call it an intimate. you rink.
0: you're very diplomatic. You're good. I'm trying like hell. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> he, so he he gets out there and he's now he's bringing in some of his teammates, his brothers, to skate. He says, "You know, you got to try this hockey thing. It really helps." Yeah. and Now he has a group of guys skating, and he says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna formalize this. I'm gonna create the Virginia Beach Hockey Club." And one or two times a week, we're going to skate. He reached out to the Navy SEAL Foundation; they thought it was a great idea, so he got some funding from them. And over the course of the year, they'd play once a week, twice a week. And if if Ryan was deployed, one of his teammates would pick up his son and take him on the ice to make sure there was that uh, uh, parent figure, uh, you know, guiding him, coaching him. And when Ryan was back, he'd do the same for his brothers that were deployed. So it became a very Family-oriented operation, and uh, it 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 grew, but grew slowly. And yeah, you're friendly with uh, with Tony Cabana. Yeah, Tony got into them, uh, introduced to them in probably 2015. After watching The Lone Survivor, he got all emotional about it, and he he reached out, he googled, and said, "Oh, Navy Seal Foundation." Called up the CEO, who was resident down at Virginia Beach at the time. He says, I want to come down and talk to you about how we can help this community because it's new to me. I have never heard of them. And there's a hockey puck on the desk. And he says to the CEO, Robin King, well, what's that hockey puck? He says, oh, we support a hockey program down down the street in Virginia Beach. He goes, well, I'm a hockey player. I want to meet this guy. So Robin introduces him to Ryan. They hit it off. And I think at the time, there was about $700 in the bank in their budget. And uh, so they were living on a shoestring. And Tony came back. We subsequently met. He told me about it. He says I'm going down in July of 2016 to, to skate in their Memorial Game. This is what they do with hockey down there. Are you I said yes, I'm coming. I, he didn't even have to sell it to me. Yeah. I said I definitely want to be part of this. You know, I went to a military school. I had, you know, aspirations of possibly going into the military. At, at Norwich, it's a private school, so you make a choice at the end of your sophomore year. You either pursue the military or stay in the uh, you know local ROTC program. Uh, hockey was starting to bubble up, so I said, you know what? I'll, I won't go in, but I've always had a passion for the military and, and those who serve. So I went down, Bob Beers, um, yeah. played for the Bruins, is now their color commentator, uh, and I went down. And we're down there to, to, to give these guys an experience, just having a couple of NHL guys on the ice and in the room no, no, no. They treated us like rock stars. You yeah. get down there, they say, hey, we're going to go over and visit uh, some of the, the 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 steel bases that no one gets to see unless you- Wow, wow. The congressman level or up. Yeah. Whoa. And then we go and we go over to iFly Virginia Beach, run by uh, uh NEOD Explosive Ordnance Disposal Guy, Bob Pizzini, I fly Virginia Beach. And you get in this wind tunnel yeah. and you, you're skydiving in this wind tunnel. And that was amazing. we they took us over here. They took us over there, and we're, we're we're treated like we're something special. We're here to. It's like the mutual admiration society. Yeah, yeah right? totally. So, the penultimate part of the weekend was, we were going to play in their memorial game where they honor a couple of the, their brothers that were killed in action. The arena is closed off, so we go in the locker room, and it's all these team guys, mostly active duty, a couple of retired guys, and from the second we sat down, we were friends because. Yeah. Their, log, their team room is like our locker room. Yeah. They get on each other, they poke each other, uh, they're ripping each other, telling stories, you know, having a good time. We get out on the ice, and it's these guys. It's their kids are out there. Their, a couple of the wives are playing, and we play this game and the smiles and the joy. and then there's a, res, a little reception afterwards, which everybody toasts the guys who have fallen, but the camaraderie was instant, Tom. Uh, and in the Brotherhood, I came back from that visit. Now, this is I think summer twenty sixteen or seventeen. I am fired up. How can we help these guys? They they asked for nothing, okay, because that's the kind of guys that they're so humble. They were so appreciative of us going down, but they wouldn't ask for, uh, you know, anything.
1: Tickets
0: or anything like that.
2: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try to help them whether they want it or not. They wanted it, but they wouldn't say. Yeah. So we go down. We, I come home and I, I'm fired up, so I talk to Rick Middleton and Bob Sweeney and Bruce Crowder, Kenny Hodge Jr., Tim Sweeney. Uh, in the next summer, seven of us go down. We bring our wives down, and they do it up even bigger for us, which, you know, and then the Bruins got involved. Kerry Collins the senior director of community relations. I told her the story. They're like, we want to get involved, and here's the cool thing. Virginia Beach sits outside of the radius of the Washington Capitals' And the Carolina Hurricanes, so no, it's no one, no NHL team supports them. So the Bruins, with our help, the alumni help, are kind of filling that vacuum. Yeah. So when I when I go down there now, there's people wearing Bruins gear, Bruins hats. Yeah. In uh, it, the the first time this when when Rick and company came down, the Bruins funded this nice barbecue afterwards, and the, there's a parents and a couple of kids there, and uh, the the dance clapping, and and the son goes. But but dad, I thought we were flyer fans. (laughs) He goes to the kid. I'm standing far off to the east. Not anymore. Uh, So, but because we were given back to the community, and and, you know that that means no disrespect to any of the other NHL teams. We just happen to be there to fill a void. Um, So, remember remember the one
0: meeting we had down there when I was down, uh, and uh, we was at I fly Bob Bazzini's place, and Ryan, uh, we go back and forth, and when you're on a board. I think it's important around a board, board to really give your opinion. It's no use being on the board just to say like everybody else is saying. So uh, we all give our speech, and then uh, Ryan steps up, and he he speaks like you said. 26 years he was a he led yeah, uh, you know, the and when he spoke, it was just like the room went silent. What he said, that was it. He was very polite, uh, professional, but very assertive. This, this is his opinion, and was not going to change. And when he's done talking, he goes, "I think he's just over." Yeah. <laughs> I, over. Oh, I got the goosebumps, too, when he was talking. It was like, okay, that's it. It's over. That's the decision.
2: Well, he was a SEAL team commander. He was in the Element Group. He uh, worked at Warcom. I mean, he is the highest level you can get without becoming an admiral. And he has such respect in in his community. And he still, like when we do these uh, charity games now, we can talk about that in a minute. He goes through all the proper vetting protocols to make sure everything we do is approved by... Naval Special War Warfare Warcom, we get you know we get their blessing to do the things we do, and and then a segue real quick into this. Um, so we played that game in 2019 where we integrated six seven SEAL guys, and that was the beginning of the face-off for Heroes Pillar in the Warrior for Life Fund uh, arsenal of, of services. Three years ago, the first annual Nate Hardy. Uh, Memorial game happened up in Boston Warrior Arena with a Bruins practice. Bunch of active duty retired SEALs came up, <clears throat> played the Bruins alumni, and they beat us. They beat us handily. Okay. Well, now this was at the tail end of COVID. There was nobody there, but we didn't expect to get beaten. They brought up two goalies that stood on their heads. I mean, they were phenomenal. And so let's 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 look at the facts here. They're young for the most part. They're in yeah. excellent shape. Yeah. A lot of these guys played high-level hockey, all right? Because that hockey mentality is yeah. very similar to a special forces mentality where you're you going to go in when other guys might step back if you want. And I'm not equating the sure. two jobs, but it's a, the same kind of mindset. Uh, yeah. So they they come up and they beat us. And they are so happy. I mean, they're, they're telling that story today still. Yeah. So... Fast forward to last this December. We don't want to lose again, so we recruit <laughs> Kevin Miller, Sedeno Chara.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. there you go.
2: Adam McQuaid. Okay, uh. Ray Bork, uh, Andrew Alberts. So we had a defensive core of those guys plus me. You know, five <laughs> five high level players and Frank uh, plus some. So Chris Bork played, He just retired from from Hershey. Uh, He's a former broad. Anyway, we, we took it to him pretty good. It was a great game. So now, 2023 comes around. Okay. So, I'm going to backtrack real quick to August. So we have all these cool things that go down in Virginia Beach. We have this cool game series that happens up in Boston. Naval Special Warfare and Navy SEAL Foundation said, hey, you need to do this on the West Coast too because, guys who don't know the even number seal SEAL teams are on in Virginia Beach, based out of Virginia Beach, and the odds are on Coronado, just just south of San Diego. So this summer, we went out and played a game there. And it wasn't Bruin centric but we had uh, Kevin Miller, myself, Andrew Alberts, uh, Brian Allen from the Anaheim Ducks, Steve Hines, who was a king and a duck, right? You know, Izzy? Uh, so we, we brought some NHL flavor there, and they, they pulled guys from the Coronado group, and they were fantastic. So it was the NHL guys and some East Coast team guys. They beat us. They beat us. <laughs> you know, so now now the guys who are organizing the game two weeks ago are going, okay, we have two pools of players to pick from. They picked the five best players from the West Coast, the, you know, the 12 best players from the East Coast. If you were older or less talented, you got cut. Oh, wow. A couple guys from Africa. They brought in their best good one of their best goalies. Cause this is a rubber match now. Okay. Right. So we're trying. I'm trying to get Char. I'm trying to get well, Kevin Miller comes because he's now on the board. Now you see he's a big part of Warrior for Left So Kevin came. We're reaching out to Bergeron, reaching out to Craichie, reaching out to this guy, that guy, right? Bork. Nobody's nobody's available. But the last week before the game, Bergeron says, I was late.
0: I signed late.
2: So From the drop of the puck, we are in full NHL mode now. No fooling around. Usually in these alumni games, just drop the puck and everybody's like, you know, bye, goalie. I'll see you after the game kind of thing. Uh, But we're playing our positions. We're supporting each other, back-checking, moving up and down the ice, closing gaps. This game was 2-1. to (laughs) We have never hit an alumni game with a total of three games goals scored. Uh, Their goaltender... Uh, who I won't name, but he knows who he is. Uh active duty guy faced almost 50 shots. And he was making save after save. So after the game he's he's gritting, comes out, nice job, Sheriff. He goes, uh he goes, you yeah, uh, know you know I stopped Bergeron five times. <laughs> he goes, but who's counting? He paused, and he goes, I am. And yes. <laughs>
0: Bergeron
2: didn't score. He tried and that, that served two things. One, having us alumni, our alumni, get to skate with Bergeron was a yeah. huge treat. He's yeah. a gentleman. He still can play. As a defenseman, Tom, you appreciate that when you have the puck and you look up and you know there's always somebody open, the one guy that's always going to be open, yeah. it was him every time. He'd- I love.
0: I thought he was a well, fantastic player, one of the best I've seen both ways, yeah.
2: Both ways, and then just a consummate gentleman. He yeah. played the game, and I get it. Just gonna tell you. I'm gonna show you here. So the trophy, which we oh, thought we wow. would be sending down to Virginia Beach, stayed with the Bruins alumni That's cool. this year. It's neat RD silhouette. Nice. So this is gonna be an ongoing series. And what's what's good about it, Tom, is it gets great coverage. This okay. thing has grown organically. The Bruins get involved. Nesson comes down and does a big piece on it. Uh we're in discussions with some other groups that you would recognize. Uh but I can't mention right now that I'm going to get involved in next year's game and also the West Coast game, which is going to be an annual thing. So the, 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 the integration of NHL-level talent in NHL organizations helping veterans yeah. resonates. Yeah. And so you mentioned the Warrior for Life. I've been on the board now for five years. I've been in sales for 35 or 40 years now. I used to do it in the summers when I was playing. This is the easiest thing I've ever sold, telling this story about how hockey helps a very elite veteran community uh, or an active duty community is is easy because people want, they want to give back. They want to help the military and hockey people, hockey players, hockey community are the best at supporting, in my opinion, the military. They, They always never say no. You give them a good cause, they'll jump into it if it's helping the military.
0: No, that's fantastic. I'm going to tell you, you've got a really interesting life. Right? Like you know, to go from I didn't realize you played Division Three hockey. So there's a lot of kids now. Uh, they have the dream of playing the National Hockey League, but if they don't get the Division One hockey thing, well, it's just not going to happen. So I think your story is fantastic from that regard. And the stuff you're doing now, both uh, with the Bruins alumni and the money you're raising there, and with the Warrior for Life Fund, all great causes. And, and like you said, you still got a regular job to hold, hold down too. So great job by you. Thank you, Tom. My pleasure. Hey, and thank you very much
1: for coming on the show. Well, Frank, do you, do you ever still get out? I know you skate, but do you ever go, go out and throw the javelin at all? You just
2: My shoulder can barely throw a softball or a tennis ball. It's so uh, okay. I need operations on both. So it's not happening.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Frank. Thank you very much for coming on the show. We'll have you on again, too. You can you show us Thanks, guys. Uh,
2: uh, thank you. And when we're promoting something down the road, I'll yeah. we'll have to
0: come on. Yes, have perfect. Excellent. All right, Frank. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Frank.
1: Hey, Tom, that's great. That was a really great story with uh, Frank Simonetti from the from the uh, Bruins and the Bruins alumni.
0: Yeah, he's good. Great storyteller, too, there. I I, really, uh, I didn't know he uh, uh, was that much of a story he, he no, storyteller. No,
1: great yeah. storyteller. And work they're doing is incredible. Like, it really, I mean, he he touched that at yeah. the end, but, like, it's just really great what they're doing for the veterans, especially the Special Forces guys. It's really uh, pretty awesome, you know, because...
0: Well, the alumni, too, the money they're raising there, some of the money they, they've raised, some great. Yeah. Right. I love the fact that's... that they put together kind of a... Uh, Know, uh, a deck. To show that everybody how to do it.
1: Yeah, it's like a production
0: Bible. Yeah.
1: Well, that's pretty cool. And they, they do it on their own with in partnership with the Bruins, but not for the Bruins. Whereas you guys are just, you work for the Rangers directly. Yeah. They're just so like the- that. That's like Frank does a
0: lot of work because we have the Rangers, they, they have a whole team of people that put events together sure. to attend. Whereas in, in Frank's case, he puts it all together himself
1: yeah it's a non-profit that they're just doing it you know on their own which is awesome and I, I love the story of how they got they got the big whale they got bergeron to come play the game you know freshly retired to come in and i know and be the man
0: yeah. that's not for the guys that the navy seal guys even just the alumni players themselves bergeron is such a good player
1: a hall of famer no doubt captain yeah. you know stanley cup winner what a great player! yeah what a
0: great player he was unbelievable he was a yeah player. absolutely what stuff the, the times he got hurt like punctured
1: lung and yeah, exactly. still playing in the playoffs yeah. and on top of that he's known as a defensive guy and a leader but he's also I think he scored over 400 yeah. goals in the NHS yeah, so that's yeah. that's not, nothing to sneeze at you know that, yeah. that's more than Pierre LaRouche scored who's a great goal scorer yeah. you know so he's that's, got great hair too you see the great. picture of him playing in the
0: game <laughs> the hair is just perfect great hair
1: my it, hair it was, is perfect too no, you're, and it is It's. I mean this is not the Brock Lesnar cut it's It's. I don't know what this cut is called This is, you don't look bald you look like you have a little bit of a fuzz on the top yeah it's, it's tin it's tin up there <laughs> it's tin yeah <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, I just almost choked there as I left. as that <laughs> joke? But if you, it looks like you're going that for that look a little bit now. I know, a little yeah. bit of fun going on top there. Yeah, I get rid of it. Yeah, I I'm like going with Brock Lesnar. People know who that Brock. is. WWE okay. champion. Yeah, he's big, I mean, big, uh strong. Shaved really bald. They get the Rock sometimes. So the Rock's father. You've said this several times. I don't know. Maybe, maybe a little bit. Some some
0: look. people think I, I look like the Rock. I'm not
1: saying it, but you know, I don't think. Well, I, don't 20, I don't think. 20, I don't think you're that would me. No, definitely not. But I was at an event with you at, at Fritz-Diedel, the legendary barn, which is closing down, Fritz-Diedel, New Jersey. It was it was purchased, and yeah, it's going to be knocked down, yeah. which is, which is said. But Tom was, sign, so, Tom was signing autographs for this one. The kid was probably about 10 or 11. And, and Tom signs the autograph, and the kid goes, are you Wayne Gretzky? <laughs> <laughs> no. The kid has wants to I'll talk to you. No,
0: probably. He's a new player, so he didn't. I used <laughs> to get, when I was playing, I used to go, leave the garden, and somebody would you're Tom Maloney. Oh, I thought they would say, sir, where's the parking lot? <laughs> some of that, yeah. some of that, yeah. Can you help me to my seat? That's funny because yeah. I I could leave the garden sometimes when I was playing. Nobody knew who
1: I was. they would walk right through the fans and everything. Yeah. yeah, but there's also times when Wayne Gretzky left the garden and nobody knew who he was. Or Mark. Yeah, I was. guess that's two <laughs> yours, you know. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You give a, but an actor walks out of a Broadway show, and no, you know, a thousand people watch them, and then they go one block and nobody knows who they are. Yeah. And that's we were like quite... that when I, when I was in the agent business. as you know for twenty two years. years. Yes, I know. I was representing Damon Lankow,
0: and we oh, were did yeah. an arbitra- yeah, we we're in an arbitration hearing and uh so uh the arbitrator for the for the league or for the team i think it's phoenix at the time uh started saying well because damon wasn't really a big guy so now the, the arbitrator for the, or the lawyer for the team has to kind of say negative things about right to kind of knock down his value so he says well looking at you you don't even look like a hockey player the guy over there and he points to me he goes he looks like a hockey player and <laughs> we go, well i was <laughs> <laughs> so well, that theory. was. You're- I'll tell you, do it. We had an arbitration hearing. I think it was for Damon Lankow again. We went to arbitration like three years in a row, and uh, they brought in Bobby Clark, and they wanted to compare. They wanted Bobby Clark to testify that uh, that, that that to Bufusi, uh another player. I can't remember who was. Uh, played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Small guy, kind of nasty player. Uh, can't remember his name. So they wanted Bobby Clark to say that that player was better than Damon Lankow. So they must have uh, prepared Bobby Clark or whatever. He steps in and goes. Nope, Damian Lanko's way better. <laughs> and it was hilarious because yeah, it's like, okay, that's not what you were supposed to say.
1: Right. Well, well that's the thing I think you need to realize in arbitration cases, like your job as the team, from the team standpoint, is to shit on the player to yeah. bring his value down. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the agent and player's job is to pump up their value yeah. as much yeah. as they can, usually by comparables. But like, yeah. h- what happens afterwards? Like, hey, no hard feelings guy, just business? Well, it got down to the point, Darcy
0: Tucker was the player for all of those things. Gotcha. I got down to the point where, it, you would see from the arbitrators, the teams would t- try that, uh, you know, to cut down the player a little bit, but the arbitrator would really go by the numbers. You know, he'd look in right. parables and say, okay, if this player's got 20 goals. My player's got 20 goals. He's making $2 million. Well, he should get $2 million. So bad. all that other fluff about saying bad things about the player, really, it just got so refined that it really, that it, teams would still try to do it, but it really didn't work. It
1: also. So then did it would become like real estate. We just give them like four comps and they say, okay, these are the numbers. This is what this guy got. That's what this house went for. So yeah. we get this whole thing.
0: Gotcha. And there's always a range there, you know, and then you're usually you're just doing you're in the middle of the range. You pretty much know once you go to arbitration, is is probably where it's going to be, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it gets to the point where usually there's around 25 to 35 players that file for arbitration, and normally uh, only about 10 of them ultimately go, 10 percent of them ultimately go to arbitration. Just sure. that
1: many. So yeah, you get cut off L- Let me just go back a second. So let's talk about Bobby Clark because Bobby Clark, for those who. I mean, I can't believe anybody listening to this show wouldn't know, but he was Messier before Messier. He was that yeah. ultimate leader. That guy would do anything, break a Russian's leg in this Summit Series, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But how how was he, as a, as a front office person, was he just as competitive?
0: Oh, yeah, totally. I had Brian Boucher as a client, and uh, we, uh, he had a really good year with the Flyers. They'd gone on a run in the playoffs. He was just finishing his first contract. So I was going down there, Mr. Schneider, who was still alive at the point, obviously, he was the owner of the team. And so I was going to meet with him in his office, and Bobby Clark was going to be there. Yeah, I feel, Yeah, you know, I've been an agent for a while. So I've been feeling pretty confident about myself, my negotiating skills and everything. And, uh, so they made an offer. I said, well, it's just really not enough. And I gave my argument why it wasn't enough and everything like that. And Bobby Clark lost his mind. I think oh, he thought he was going, yeah, I think he thought he was going to intimidate me. you just know being stubborn and he gets red in the face and he's yelling and everything. And Mr. Snyder and I are both looking at each other like, what, what is this all about? mean, he, getting in your face in the meeting? Yeah, yeah. Wow. He's, he really wasn't like physically like trying to tell you, which like he was going to, he's trying to embarrass me or saying that I was wrong, you know, yeah. that I'm stupid with money. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 sat to, I said to him, he says, Are you done? And he calms down right away. He goes, Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> we went back to negotiating. So he would he would still, he had that fire in him still. Yeah. They had that. An in fact, yeah, one of the things when you first start being an agent, you're kind of worried, like you send out a contract, you're asking for too much. Like, am I really sure. in the range? So I sent out, and it was a small contract. He was a guy that was kind of more of a leaguer and I sent it to Bobby Clark. And of course, he called me up and he just he's ripping in me ear. Ridiculous This is way off. <laughs> and I, and I was at that point, I just got started and I was like, really? I guess I, I really don't shot this thing. And I thought, and then you learn later on, it's just, they, they won't do it after a while, once you've been an agent for a while, but when you've right. become the agent. Right. So he's going to show you who's who at that point. Yeah. I had, uh, I should, I should say his name. That's yes, another but, GM. Yes. You Brian, 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 Burke. Okay. Great guy. I negotiated with him uh, for a call. He was assistant GM in Vancouver and negotiated with him. I asked for a twenty five thousand dollars signing bonus. He calls me back. Oh. Who was that for? Which player? As for uh, uh, Jason Fitzsimmons, a goaltender, played for Moose Shop. One of my actually that was my first client, I think. And uh, so I asked for twenty five thousand dollars signing bonus. and Brian Burke calls me up. and goes top. It should be forty. I'll give you forty. Awesome. <laughs> I didn't ask for enough, and he corrected. it. See, he was really good that way. Like he really when I was, I think more because I was a former player. Sure. He really kind of like I saw him at games a few times. He'd sit with me in the stands and talk about strategies, negotiating all that kind of stuff. He was he was excellent.
1: Like, yeah, well, ex- ex- aside from the fact that you're a height bully and a weight bully, I mean, you have a great rep in the hockey world. You like people. You're very respected because you're just you know genuine article of what you see. Yeah, that
0: you uh, thank you for saying that. You know, I, I really when I became an agent, I, I sat down with myself and I said, okay, how am I going to be? Because I knew some of these other agents are always lying. What did what
1: did yourself say back?
0: Yeah, I, I, well, I actually. It's funny because you're, you're kind of, I say, you could say, I'm going to be like everybody else, like all the other agents. I, so I was going to be, there still was some good guys there too, but I was going to be different. I wanted to live, have character same way as I was as a player and it really paid off for me too. Uh, There were some times that I lost out on players because I didn't, I got one player I would have had, so the year I had Brian Barrera's first overall pick, Uh, Wade Redden was his second overall pick and they had told me that he was going to go with me as well, but his uh, coach, uh, was uh, the, the Krimmon, Kelly, Brad McCrimmon, no, mm-hmm. Kelly McCrimmon in uh, Brandon, sure. And uh, so he the coach, he was good friends with another agent, is Donnie Meehan, uh, who was yeah. in guy. company. And once they knew, once they found out that he was going to go with me, they brought, called him in the office and said, No, no, you're going with Donnie, Meehan. yeah, or else I would have the fir- first two picks in the draft. And, and then another year, uh, the next year, I would have the first overall pick in bra- uh, uh, draft again, it was uh, Chris Phillips, uh, with Ottawa. And, uh, so the same thing. They said, okay, yeah, we're going with you. And then another agent came along and bought him a car. Oh, Yeah. Uh,
1: so. so you're not slimy like that. And I, I know, I, know, I mean, you're, you're not a schmoozer. I mean, you obviously, we're doing a podcast and you're talking a lot, but you're not really a bullshitter. You're yeah. talking to Virginia.
0: That was, you know, like Brad Burrard, he didn't go with me at first. He went with another agent who got in some tr- trouble financially or something. And then he came back to me and Mrs. Bird said that. She said, the reason we, uh, one of the big reasons was we called you and said, you Listen, I love meeting you, but we're going to go with this other agent. And the way I handled it, she said they really pressed them, so they came back to me. And
1: uh, I've had that all happen a few times. Yeah, where you, you took rejection. while you weren't like, okay, yeah, fuck
0: yourself. You were like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Best of luck and all that. Yeah, yeah. we'll see you down the road. Best of luck. I'm yeah. um, here air if you need me or stuff like that. So it's true. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then there's been times, I got told you the story too, or negotiated contracts where you have to prove to that general manager that there's interest in your client. That's right. And uh, Doug Armstrong in St. Louis, uh, uh, Ray Johnson was a player. He says, well, have, you got, have you got interest in them? I said, yeah, well, we've got the three teams. You know, we're talking to them. I, well, I'd like to tell you we're about to sign a contract. We're not, but we're talking. And he goes, he goes, Tom, you know what? You've never lied to me. And because yeah. of that, I believe what you're saying. And I, I realized at the time when he said that, I was like, "Well, wow, that's pretty cool. Because they all lie, right? They all pump up their, yeah. With their yeah. interest. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, there, there's some guys. That's it, funny. Like, some guys that are very successful, too. The way they talk, it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. the stuff they say to players is just like, that's just not true. But, you know, players are young. A lot of times the families are
1: inexperienced in the business world. So, well, when people think of agents, they think of like Ari Gold from Entourage yep. or like Jerry Maguire. Yeah. But they don't think of Tom Laylow, the stay home defenseman, who's just a yep. steady, you know, honest guy. So, yeah, totally.
0: And that was, and that's why I got hired by IMG too with Mike Barnett, who was run, running the hockey division, hockey division with IMG. Uh, We'd known each other from LA, represented Wayne Gretzky. And uh, he'd, see me out in Western, he'd see me out in Western Canada all the time. And uh, he says, Tom. It was just your work ethic is just unbelievable. You come and work with us; they, they're all paid. Right. I was living in Motel Sixes, and I'd been gone for ten days up in Western Canada. We all all paid off.
1: Nice. Yeah, look, hard work honestly it pays off for some people. But you, you good thing you know you're a hype bully, because Mike Barnett's not a very big guy. So you you were a bully, did you? I don't think I ever bullied. He was a bully. He, he could sell. He'd love to sell.
0: Uh, he, I was I was going through a divorce, and uh, we were up in Canlips at the uh, uh, Memorial Cup. And we went into this little trinket store and he talked me into buying that like, $200 worth of little trinkets for my wife that I was divorcing. I walked, yeah, I'm walking out of there and I said, what just happened? He's dying <laughs> laughing because he just, it was fun to he'd he love to negotiate.
1: Yeah. Nice. Well, listen, that was a great episode with Frank Simonetti. Um, yeah. Hopefully you'll do more stuff with him in the future, uh, more events. I know that you, you played them a few years ago, yeah. but um, we're just doing great work. Great stories, yeah. great guy, Boston guy. And uh, yeah, it was an excellent episode. First
0: guy we had on it was the uh, when did he throw the javelin? Javelin thrower. Like, that's that's the, the last guy we ever had on it. Throws
1: the javelin, probably, unless we get the guy from Revenge of the Nerds who threw uh, the Lamar. I don't know if you did. Did you watch movies back then or not? No, I think so we you know, uh, Do your homework. John Wayne, John Wayne wasn't in it, so I shut, shut, I'll show you the video. Yeah, it's classic, but that was great. And if you like what you're hearing on the show, and, and people do because we have listeners now from Poland, from Romania, from Hungary, it's that's Croatia. Cool. Find out, we would find out who it is in Romania. Listen, if you're, if you're listening to this show and we want to know, we want to hear from you, send us an email, fullchangepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love a review on Apple if you do that. And we'd love for you to share, like, download this page, spread it around, talk to everybody. And Tom can do a, Tom can come to your event. He can uh, speak and he can do impressions and sing and pick on yes. small people. He can do all that stuff. So, again, if you want to get Tom at your event, fullchangepodcast at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to our show. We'd love to hear from you guys.
0: Good job, everybody. See you soon. All right, Grasshoppers, thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time.